You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Just gone 8-10 Central African time. Let's welcome a pious and sagacious ummah with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The program is Medical Files. And alhamdulillah, this evening I will be hosting one of our favorites, Dr. Imran Kika, a GP and a specialist in Chinese medicine. And inshallah, I'll be answering your queries, uh, you know, Lucalo on the board this evening. And I can tell you something else, uh, that our doctor, you know, uh, at the, recently at the Allied Health Professions uh, Council of South Africa, the AHPCSA, uh, he was uh, recently elected as a chairperson of the professional board of Ayurveda, Chinese medicine and acupuncture and United medicine. The role or responsibility of the chairperson and the professional board and a little about the council. He's going to talk about that because it's just going through my mind. I said, you know, I have to give him that opportunity. It's a feather in his cap. He's someone uh, that, you know, he's astute. And whatever he does, alhamdulillah, he does to the best of his ability. And also welcoming the ummah once again with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Not forgetting Dr.'s mother, Sharifa, who's listening to us this evening, and his entire family, Dr. Imran Kika. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me how you're doing this fine, beautiful Wednesday evening. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And our greetings to all our listeners, Brother Shabbat. I'm very well and I hope you are doing well too. Yes, I'm doing uh, mashallah and uh, congratulations in order. And uh, tell us about, uh, you know, uh, being elected as a chairperson of uh, these uh, boards, uh, you know, that make a difference in our lives. Yes. So, with introductions like yours, Brother Shafat, I always have to remind myself of uh, my Sheikh Rahimahullah's advice, you know, or a couplet that used to always remind us of uh, in instances like this. You know, he used to tell us, Ham aise rahe ya ke waise rahe, waha dekna hai, ham kaise rahe. So, you know, in the dunya, we live like this and we live like that. Bottom line is we have to worry about how we're going to live there, meaning when our eyes close. So that is the important thing. So, gee, Brother Shafat, uh, I was recently elected uh, at the last professional board meeting uh, to chair the, uh, the professional board. Uh, a little bit about the council. Uh, we've spoken about it before, but just to recap, uh, it is a, it is what we call a statutory council. That means it is a lawful and legal council established by its own act of law, and it governs several professions: so homeopaths, uh, chiropractors, doctors of Chinese medicine, Unani medicine, Ayurveda, the particular board that I'm referring to, uh, massage therapists, phytotherapists, naturopaths. All these professions are governed by this council. That means that if you want to lawfully practice any of these professions or anything that these professions do, you have to be registered with this council. When we were speaking about cupping at some point, I recall saying that if a practitioner is not a practitioner of Unani medicine or Chinese medicine, then cupping is unlawful by them. That it means that this is the same council that regulates those professions. So practitioners who wish to practice in the Republic under any one of these professions have to be registered with this, uh, with this council. And the board that I now chair, and I will chair it for the next year, inshallah, Allah gives us health and life and ability, 
I'll say it for the next year. And our responsibility is to deal with the nitty-gritty affairs um, that relate to these professions, that is uh, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, Unani medicine. Uh, so doctors that would apply from foreign countries for registration, regulation of uh, disciplinary matters related to these professions, and also relating to educational matters, all appear before us in the professional board. And once we've dealt with it, it then goes to a full council uh, for ratification, and then it becomes, uh, you know, part on a part and parcel of the profession thereafter. Just to give you an example, very recently our board uh, approved two qualifications for the University of Johannesburg. One is a well, not our board approved one, and another board approved another. So our board approved a qualification for any doctor or uh, diagnostic professional in South Africa who wants to study acupuncture, can go and study acupuncture at the University of Johannesburg. But that could not have happened if that entire process did not involve the approval of our board. So that is what we do, or the types of things that we do. So if a doctor has to harm somebody, uh, we went to an Unani medicine doctor, Chinese medicine doctor, or Ayurvedic doctor, and one of those doctors did something that they're not supposed to do, it can be reported to the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa, and our board in particular would deal with those three professions. So that's the long and short of it, Brother Shafat. That's what the council is, and that's what we do. I mean, I can elaborate more, but I think it is sufficient. Yeah, it is absolutely, you know, uh, much needed. And, uh, you know, I know that the Department of Home Affairs is uh, reviewing over one million, uh, you know, identity documents uh, that, have, uh, that are illegal and still floating around the country. What about those uh, that are, you know, there's so many people doing uh, cupping uh, the back door, uh, you know, in the backyard or things like that? Um, should they be reported, uh, doctor? Should they be reported to the council, or should they be uh, reported yes. to the authorities? How how does that work? Yes, yes, they should be, uh, because it is criminal for them to do what they are doing, and uh, they can. Re- if somebody wants to report it to us, um, you know, I don't have a contact number at hand, but I can give you a website, and it's the uh, it's www ahpcsa.co.za or you can just google ahpcsa or whichever search engine you use ahpcsa um, and uh, the contact details of the council will become available um, and uh, you know using the contact details that are available there you can write to the council the message will reach the office of the registrar of the council The registrar of the council is the CEO of the council as well, and he takes it upon himself to ensure that the matter is reported to the South African Police Services and the National Prosecuting Authority. And then those people are prosecuted. Because there are, of course, a lot of... The the primary mandate by the Shafat of this council or any other similar council like the HPCSA or the Pharmacy Council or the Nursing Council is to protect the public. So if people are doing things that may harm the public and are doing things without a standard set by this council and do not meet the standards of this council, then they could harm you. And uh, and if they do harm you, there's nothing you can do about it. Who are you going to go complain to? Uh, so we we can take action and steps against them. And if they are practicing unlawfully and unlegal, illegally, then steps can certainly be taken. And um, I'll repeat that. 
www.ahpcsa.co.za. Uh, otherwise, Brother Shafat, uh, we do not have the capacity to police uh, practitioners, uh, but if somebody informs me, for example, uh, we have a devolved authority uh, to the professional board members where, uh, you know, we can we can make certain interventions within the limits that are allowed by the council. So we could accept the complaint and, and follow the procedure therefrom. So if somebody is prepared to bring it to my attention, even through your radio station, we're happy to receive the complaint and then deal with it. Mm, absolutely. We're doing this for the safety of uh, the people. And, uh, you know, uh, definitely if you go to an illegal practitioner and if something serious happens to you, you have no recourse, you have no claim. But if uh, you do it via this body as uh, whom our, our, our astute doctor is uh, uh, the chairman of, then, uh, you know, you can have a complaint. Uh, it look, will be looked into and things like that and other uh, things will be dealt with. So, Alhamdulillah, Jazakallah khair for that uh, people... Remember that this is an interactive program. You can send in your questions on 084-786-3132, 084-786-3132. Our guest is uh, Dr. Imran Kika, a GP who has a who specializes in Chinese medicine also. Doctor, looking at uh, some of the um, questions that I had on files, uh, this one says, so many Muslims have uh, succumbed uh, to the coronavirus. Uh, does this mean we generally have a low immunity system. Your comments, sir, Doc? Dr. Shafat, uh, this is a difficult time. We are all in there are many hotspots. We are uh, going through a second wave as a country. We must make sure that we take all the precautions. We must wear masks when we go out, not only to protect ourselves, but to protect others from ourselves. This is the important thing. If we have flu-like symptoms or things like that or symptoms of uh, COVID, we should stay at home, get tested, and make sure that we know what is happening so that it can be treated. Um, if there is no cure for the coronavirus uh, infection or COVID-19 infection or the sequelae of it that is ongoing, uh, but there are treatments that are working on people, and, uh, you know, we, we of course, are able to provide that to patients, uh, both from a Chinese medicine point of view, which is my practice and my uh, my profession, and then, of course, from the medical point of view, homeopaths also have remedies and so on, and, and, and relief can be provided to people. Um, so the, the other important thing is that if you are in contact with anybody who has had, uh, who has uh, viral infection, and you are aware of it, please isolate yourself. Don't go out because... If you go out, you're going to be one of those, if you are also infected, to be amongst the people that will contribute to the spread of the disease. People let their guard down. Uh, people began behaving as if there is nothing happening, as if the pandemic had come to an end, uh, and not taking all the precautions that should be taken, and as a result of which, uh, you know, we are now sitting where we are again, with large numbers of people uh, reaching the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is his decree also, uh, but we need to take the precaution. And when people tell me, oh, you know, we don't have to wear a mask and do all this and that, and I tell people, I was telling mom the other day, and she's probably listening, and she'll probably agree that I said this to her, oh, you know, we must have tawakkul uh, in Allah. Yes, that is our iman and our yakin. Uh, but also we must take the precaution. So I said to mom the other day, okay, fine, 
if, if you only want to do that, then tonight we're not going to lock the doors in the house. We're going to leave it open from now on. We're not going to lock the doors. We go anywhere. We leave the car open. You know, that kind of logic. We, we must understand that we must have tawakkul in Allah ma'ala asbab. Allah Ta'ala has provided the means for us to safeguard ourselves. We must use it. Whilst we have that full yaqeen that Allah Ta'ala will also, uh, you know, we, we believe in his in whatever he has decreed for us. But we must do our part. So so that is the one thing. So we must wear that mask. We must wash our hands because soap and water is very good. It kills the virus. Uh, and where it's not available, then hand sanitize. We, you know, the physical distancing is important. And, uh, you know, um, of course, good cough etiquette. But very importantly, if you are displaying symptoms, you know, don't go out into public. Because then you have a problem, get it attended to, and then, you know, you want to go to the masjid after that, then that's another story. But if you are displaying symptoms, stay at home. Read your salah at home uh, until you know what is going on so that you do not become a means of becoming a problem for others. So that is very important. We're hearing all kinds of stories, Brother Shafat, about people who are going, healthy people who are going to visit their elderly parents, not taking the precautions, and then all of them becoming sick afterwards. The disease indeed spreads, it is indeed contagious, it's not a discussion to be had. So we need to take the precautions, Brother Shafat. This is the most important thing, and the listeners need to consider this. It's very important. So, other than the immune system, there are, of course, things that we can do to improve our immune system. I've always advocated, although it is not a, and I make the declaration, it is not something that Chinese medicine recommends or something that everyone, uh, you know, that uh, people will place a lot of emphasis on, but there is evidence for it, that we need to get our vitamin D levels up. So see your doctor, see your pharmacist, get your vitamin D levels up. There are other supplements, and I'll name them because... Uh, I think that they are important. So people who are diabetic that take things like metformin on a regular basis, uh, some of the medicines deplete certain vitamins from their bodies. So if you don't have a fever or flu, you can take a a high-dose vitamin B complex, which is very good for you, or you can take thiamine on its own, which is vitamin B1. Zinc is very important. And, uh, you know, there are other medicines that are out there. You can speak to your healthcare practitioner who can advise you uh, to take uh, certain other supplements and other vitamins to prepare. And also, if you want your immune system to be healthy, your body to be healthy, you've got to eat well. So avoid those foods that are harmful for you and eat those foods that are beneficial for you. Now, what is harmful for you and what is beneficial for you, Brother Shafat? You've had me on the program many times, and you know I advocate always, don't have sugar, don't eat wheat, don't eat corn. You know, uh, these things are bad for you. Very high carbohydrate diets. I'm not saying don't have carbohydrates. I'm just saying that diets are very high in these uh, carbohydrates are not too good for you. So ask your healthcare practitioner. And in Chinese medicine, of course, there's a specific and particular branch uh, of dietotherapy that we call Shilao, and we we prescribe diets for patients uh, that will benefit them based on the individual health profile. So see your healthcare practitioner will be able to give you advice in this regard. And these are the things that keep you healthy, keep your immune system healthy, and in the long run help you cope with disease and infection. So even if it's COVID or any other infection, you'll cope with it better. Not to say that you, you know, if, if Allah has written that after taken all the precautions and everything and it's still written that you will get sick, well, 
that is from Allah, uh, and and then you know you you have taken care of your side of things. You taken the precautions, you've eaten well, you've taken the supplements, you've done what was necessary, and inshallah you will be well. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but there is, of course, more to your program that is coming, and I'm certain there are more questions to your program. Uh, but in a nutshell, uh, this is the message. Uh, stay at home as far as possible, avoid gathering as far as, as far as possible, take the precautions as far as possible, eat well, eat healthy, you know, not only halalan, we also say poikipan. So eat that which is good for you, which is nutritious for you. So that is the important message. Uh, Brother Shahad, that in a nutshell, I have said a mouthful. No, no, mashallah, this is your program because uh, you are showcasing uh, the, the facts, alhamdulillah. And, uh, you know, you have the, the license uh, to, to do that here this evening. We have about uh, two and a half minutes to go before the break, and perhaps uh, we'll take Apa Kala's question. And she says uh, she's a big fan of Chinese uh, tea. Has it uh, with the brown sugar? Is it okay? So Apa Kala is having Chinese tea, but, you know, she's using brown sugar. Doctor? <laughs> Gee, I hope Apakala is not diabetic uh, because then yeah. uh, brown sugar is not good for it. Maybe tasty, but not good. Um, so, Alhamdulillah, we wish Apakala good health. Um, the Chinese, uh, we know also in other areas, like in certain parts of Pakistan, uh, the Quetta province, uh, uh, and certain communities, uh, they love green tea. And uh, it's very good for the health. There's a lot of benefits of green tea. Uh, we can extol them, uh, you know, uh, you know, at length. Um, so, Apakala, alhamdulillah, enjoy the green tea. Uh, if you're not diabetic, then you can sweeten it. I remember my days in Karachi, Baga Shafar, uh, when I used to drink a lot of green tea there. Uh, you know, when they used to serve you the little cup, they used to serve you the sugar candy with it. Or, uh, in Gujarati, we call it hakar, you know. Mm-hmm. You put it in your mouth and you, you, you know, the, you sip the tea over it. Just to, because the tea is bitter. Green tea is bitter. It's, uh, it's got a very bitter taste. So to make it a little sweet, but I'm used to the bitterness, so I drink it. Um, when I do, without any sugar or additives. So if you're not diabetic, then that's fine, but just don't add milk to it. Because milk and tea... Even in black tea, uh, takes away many of its properties. Um, uh, there's an active ingredient in the tea, in the green tea especially, called EGCG, very good for all kinds of things, um, anti-inflammatory effects, and, you know, that helps in many disease conditions. So if you put a little bit of milk, it binds the EGCG a little bit. And what happens is that it becomes a tasty beverage and not a health beverage. And tea is very beneficial for the health. Uh, You know, you can drink, uh, if you're not too sensitive to caffeine, you can have quite a bit of it in a day. Uh, Other than keeping you up and alert, it has several health benefits because of the ingredients. There's uh, there's all kinds of other things like mate tea, which is also a green tea made from a green herb, also contains caffeine also very beneficial for the health. So there are several things about the Shabbat. Absolutely. I think I'm going to go for a tea break. The way Dr. Imran Kika described that, a lokal of make that kettle hot now. Let's go to the marketplace and uh, do some shopping. You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast.
the program is Medical Files, and uh, we have uh, Dr. Imran Kika this evening with us, a GP who specializes in Chinese uh, medicine. Yes, uh, looking at the questions coming in, I remember it's our WhatsApp number is 0847863132. Anonymous says, Assalamu alaikum, Marcus team. A lot of people take fish uh, gelatin. They say it's like colla- uh, collagen and uh, good for joints and aging. Is it true, doctor? Look, I'm not a fan of it um, because I believe that there are other ways to to treat the conditions. Uh, so gelatin itself is something that we use in Chinese medicine. Uh, we use it in Chinese medicine and, and we say that it builds the blood that is um, that is gelatin. Uh, in Chinese medicine, medicine um, well, according to uh, the texts of Chinese medicine, interestingly, the best form of gelatin to be used in very debilitated patients from donkeys. So it's interesting. So even you would have heard the, the stories about uh, people, you know, the, the donkeys in South Africa that uh, were found skinned and sewn and their skins were sold. So the, from their hide, that gelatin that is made is most prized in Chinese medicine. Uh, so other forms of gelatin, if it comes from somewhere else, also if it is beef gelatin, has similar properties. Uh, but of course, it, it, uh, it's more readily available. And uh, collagen itself, you know, you get marine collagen, uh, which comes from uh, the bones of the fish or other parts of the fish. And uh, of course, that is halal also. Uh, and so, yes, people use it to build cartilage and things like that. There is not enough evidence for it um, in literature, but there is a place for it possibly uh, to assist uh, with certain conditions. I'll leave it at that, Brother Shafar. Alhamdulillah. Anwar says, Assalamu alaikum, Marcus Radio. Allah keep you all. Jazakallah Shafa'at for maintaining a great programming. Uh, please ask uh, Dr. Kika. Please explain how in Chinese medicine we can be diagnosed uh, diagnosed by small. Hey, I'm confused, Doc, but I'm sure you're not confused. Diagnosed by? Small. It's M-A-L-L. Oh, smell. Sorry. I was confused because that message, yeah, they wrote small. I'm sure. How can you be diagnosed uh, by smell? Yes, now I'm not confused. Well, gee, so, so they are, they are different diagnostic methods. So we use the pulse, we use the tongue, we use feel, so we touch the patients or palpate like medical doctors also do. We palpate acupuncture points. Um, We're able to look at the patient's eyes. Uh, We are able to, like I said, the pulse, tongue, eyes, feel. Uh, You know, we are able to also uh, get certain odors from the patient's body and they would tell us different things. For example, in medicine, a medical doctor can easily relate to what we call a ketogenic breath when somebody's blood sugar is very high, for example. So if somebody is starved, there would be a description of a certain smell that the body would give off. So, yes, it's not one diagnostic method. It's, uh, you know, a whole lot of diagnostic methods. For example, when we feel a patient's hand or skin, you know, we are able to tell so many things about not just the temperature of the patient, but also about how the skin feels and how it looks. And so all of this combined puts a picture of the patient's health in our mind uh, based on what we've read and studied. And an amalgamation of that uh, would be together with the history of the patient, 
um, give us a, a pattern diagnosis in Chinese medicine or a syndrome in Chinese medicine. And then based on that syndrome, we would then uh, plan a treatment for the patient using herbs, acupuncture, cupping, or any other technique uh, that we use in Chinese medicine. So it's an amalgamation of things. And it's not like, uh, you know, you just smell a patient and it's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, in one one other, you know, uh, bowel movements very important. So you're talking about smell, and you know that came to mind. Uh, you, you you know, in the in the villages with you know, of China, and I heard one of my professors telling me this. He says that he saw it for himself. You know, when he first got there, he found it odd that people are walking to their doctor with a covered bowl. And uh, when he inquired, you know, they were taking stool samples. So we take stool samples to the laboratories here as well for testing for other things. But they, uh, the smell, look, uh, texture, all of that would would actually tell the the doctor so much. And and it is something I regularly inquire about uh, in my patients as well. So I just associate with smell with that. But the reality is that uh, it's an amalgamation of all of these things that tell us so much about the body tell us so much about what's going on in the body, the intricacies of the body. Uh, even, you know, things like I sometimes inquire from patients, you know, how do your nails grow? How, how often do you clip them? You know, uh, we are supposed to, uh, you know, dean remove hair from the un- you know, unwanted hair from the body. But we even inquire about that growth. It tells us so much about patients and about their health. Uh, so these are all the intricacies of the body, natural things of the body, that if they are not as they're supposed to be, um, then, of course, so, you know, patients come to us exclusively for complaints such as, oh, we have a bad body odor. That in itself is a different problem, uh, and it's treated differently, and there are ways to treat that. So, yeah, that's an amalgamation of things. It's not just one thing. Uh, if I, if I, I hope I've answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, whilst you're talking about I'm thinking about, you know, you're in a lift and, you know, you get some uh, person that can't hold it and the flatulence and there's a smell. Can you make out from the smell uh, what sickness that person has, uh, Doc? Well, I, I don't know from that, uh, Shafat. I, I, my, my nose might be sharp, but not that sharp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me there, Doc. I mean, I say, yeah, I know that he had yeah, I, 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 I was just hoping you don't ask me if I can tell what they've eaten, but yeah. Okay. Mashallah, Doc, really enjoying you this evening. That's the beauty of having you with us. Uh, Safura says, Assalamu alaikum, Marcus is our station. Uh, what conditions can a practitioner of Chinese medicine determine by the sounds of our body? Hey. What sounds do our body make? Oh, yeah, maybe uh, the grumbling and my, things like that, Doc. Gee, gee my, my, my answer would be the same. I still use the stethoscope, and I still listen to the chests of patients. I still listen, uh, you know, to to the abdomens of patients. You know, I listen to the heart um, because that was my primary training. Uh, I feel the joints for, for what we call crepitations. You know, sometimes you get a feel of... Um, how can I describe it? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to simply describe a crepitation, but like something there that's moving under yes. your hand that you can feel, you know. Um, I don't know if I can if I can use bubble wrap as an example, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. crepitation. So all kinds of things. So uh, there are various sounds that tell us various things about the body. And yeah, again, it comes back to my previous response an amalgamation of all of that uh, that pinpoints uh, a diagnosis for us, gives us clue to clues for what is going on in the patient's body, 
And then based on all of that, of course, we are able to reach a conclusion. And based on the conclusion, we are able to treat the patient. And if we can't treat the patient, then, of course, to send the patient where they might get treatment. Alhamdulillah, looking at this question, come from Zimbabwe. Yeah, land of a very famous mufti. He says, Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat. I'm texting from Zimbabwe. We tune in and enjoy Marcus Radio. Please ask Dr. Kika, how is it that we go out of balance and how does it affect appearance? People go out of balance, sir, Doc. Uh, that could have uh, many meanings. Uh, generally, the disease state of the body uh, is an imbalance of the body. So the, when the body is imbalanced, then, uh, you know, a state of homeostasis, if I can use a big word, uh, then the body is imbalanced and, you know, there is no disease in the body. But when the body is imbalanced, then any and all kinds of things or conditions, whether they minor or major, may arise. And how you reach that stage, I once uh, heard one of my teachers telling me, uh, and, and probably this is not the nicest of things to say, and probably not the most sensitive thing to say, but I'm quoting him and I'll explain. So, he, you know, somebody he says, he asked one of his teachers, uh, what is disease? And uh, his teacher said to him that that is something for people who are not intelligent. I was, uh, I, I'm saying it and with, the, with the qualification that, you know, uh, I'll explain it. So he asked, he said, but how can you say that? You know, you know, it doesn't mean that people who um, who are sick are stupid. He says, no, it does, doesn't mean that. It means that they become creatures of habit. So you know, I always say that if you if you fast every day, then you'll get sick. So sometimes you got to eat. So people who eat every day and who don't fast also might get sick. So basically, break the routine. If you're doing something every day bring your body into balance by doing something else. Um, and also, more importantly, if you want to bring your body into balance, if it is out of balance, then there are those of us uh, who practice Chinese medicine, for example, Unani medicine, another very closely related, and Ayurveda, for example. Through these examination processes, we are able to identify what are these imbalances in the body, not just an imbalance in your blood count or some vitamin level or some disease. We, we are able to establish over a period of time. So we might find an initial imbalance, treat it. You will come back to us. You we, 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 It would have probably changed with the treatment, the state of the body. We would then treat the body until such a point that either the disease goes away and then even after that. Uh, we need to continue to treat the patient until such time as the body is in such a state where, uh, you know, the body is in an optimal balance where you you won't get easily sick or sick or you'd be able to be in a much better state of health. So per, is there a perfect state of health? I don't know, Brother Shafar. I don't think so. There's always mm. some imbalance. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep. That causes an imbalance. Maybe your bowel movements were not regular. That is an imbalance. You you didn't eat the right foods. That could have created an imbalance. You could have overindulged. In summer now, you could have overindulged uh, in a certain food, for example. That would cause an imbalance in your body. So a number of things can cause those imbalances. Um, you got uh, a COVID infection. Uh, 
probably because of that imbalance or it caused an imbalance and then we need to bring it back to balance. So whatever it is, the disease state is an imbalanced state of the body and a balanced state of the body is a state of health. And then, of course, we, those of us that practice these uh, professions, like I said, to those same diagnostic means, smell, sound, touch, feel, you know, all, all of those things, uh, history, uh, looking at the normal state of the body, what it should be, of course, um, will assist you in bringing or restoring your health to what it should be optimal. Illa mashallah. Yes, uh, doctor, you're talking about imbalance. Uh, there also something about jet lag, and uh, you talk about overindulging of fruits. Hey, the lychees. I think I'll overindulge, Doc. I don't know. Tell you, I don't want to tell you how many kgs. I haven't eaten enough, Brother Shafat. So if you know where I can get some nice bunches, let me know. You know, I'd be very appreciative. You know. Oh, there's, there's a flooding out here in Durban. Plenty. Even the prices Plenty. are going down. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm we have them. By the, I'm trying by the to channel. avoid traveling. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a ring after the show. <laughs> Inshallah. Yeah, plenty. I'll give you the fact. Some near overport and things like that. Okay. Dawood says, Assalamu alaikum from Belito. We on holiday here. I heard salmon fish is uh, mostly farmed and we better off eating no fish than farm fish. When I come to the seaside, I feel only for fish. What will Chinese medicine say about farm fish? And please uh, give us alternative, uh, doctor. Doctor? Look, uh, I don't think Chinese medicine has anything to say about uh, farmed fish that I've come across. Uh, you know, agricultural processes are, are taking quite uh, an interesting direction, if I can frame it that way. Uh, whether this is beneficial for the body or not, you know, is something that is yet to emerge although there are those that are saying that, uh, you know, uh, certain farming practices, whether it's farm fish or GMO products or other things like that, uh, may be harmful for the body. Uh, they, you know, while some people are saying one thing, there's evidence to the contrary. And my uh, view right now has to be a balanced one on your show, Brother Shafat. And uh, so I would leave it to the individual healthcare practitioners to advise their patients, but it is always best to eat what is fresh. You know, our oceans also, although we are catching fresh fish from there, are quite contaminated these days. Our rivers are also contaminated these days. So we, we, we could even ask the question, are those farm fish not in a better, cleaner environment are they not healthier for us? So it is not something I can say yes or no to, but it is questions that I can throw back to the person asking the question and say, look, you need to make up your mind. You need to read more and make a determination. But Chinese medicine itself doesn't uh, speak to that in particular. Yes, uh, Doc, I, like, I, I really like that, uh, you know, very cautious answer you have given. And, uh, you know, there is a, a disclaimer to that. Uh, Doc says, you know, uh, Chinese medicine doesn't say much on that. Anonymous says, Assalamu alaikum, Jazakallah Shafat and Dr. Kika for adding value to radio on Marcus. What does the Chinese medicine uh, advise as best food for breakfast? Hey, he wants some, are you, some good Chinese for what, breakfast. Sir? For breakfast? Yeah, he wants to 
uh, Chinese, uh, you know, medicine, uh, what's the best uh, food for breakfast? I mean, if you talk to an American, he'll tell you, yeah, you must have a lot of cereals, you know, you must have my Kellogg's, or you must have uh, rice crispies. But what would you say, Doc? Well, first of all, Brother Shavad, I'm just quickly going to go back on your comment about me being cautious. You must remember, I'm a politician also, Brother Shavad, so my answer is... Uh, so, so, no, but I'm not speaking as a politician, but anyway, look, um, I've, I've spent uh, a nice amount of time in China to, to see how the Chinese eat. We'll find that they are a generally healthy pol- uh, population, um, and we find generally that they avoid, um, you know, very uh, processed food. Uh, so... Their breakfast is generally very light. They have something called congee. Uh, that is the regular breakfast. It's like a porridge. Um, very light, uh, very good on the digestion, and very healthy. So, But they are different things. So the breakfast again or the meal again, I always say I, I you should eat when you are hungry. So I, I don't tell people that, oh, you must have breakfast and, you know, you must do this. Of course, it depends on what the patient presents with. I explained earlier that we have a branch of Chinese medicine particular to this. Shi uh, Lao, where we prescribe food and dietotherapy for patients to help them get better. So, of course, again, it depends on, on what they present with. For example, uh, mum is diabetic, and um, I advise mum that she must have oats every day, which are very good for her because... Um, it's it's a slow-burning carbohydrate, so it won't, you know, uh, put her blood sugar up very quickly. Uh, it's rich in B vitamins, and I asked her to add some something called goji berries in it. Now, goji berries uh, in Chinese medicine, uh, if we pronounce it according to how they pronounce it, they call it gaujitsa. Uh, it's those little red berries. You can buy them from health shops or some supermarkets even have them. I asked her to put some in there. Because they tonify the kidneys, they provide vitamins, they soothe the liver, very good for the liver and the kidney in terms of the energetic liver and kidney in Chinese medicine, um, and they provide high amounts of nutrients to the body. Other patients, we might tell them, look here, you you shouldn't have a heavy breakfast. You should have probably a bone broth, for example. Others who, you know, who whose body might be in balance, in inverted commas, we tell them, look, if you want to eat eggs, then you eat eggs, or whatever. So it, again, comes back to the point, um, you know, about eating healthy and nutritious food and eating what is good for you if you have any particular disease condition. So there's no patient that leaves my practice, and I know uh, Chinese medicine practitioners, and I know that... Um, uh, the Unani medicine and Ayurvedic doctors as well. Patients don't leave these practices without being told how to eat or what to eat. Uh, so, so that is what I have to say about it. Zakala for that, uh, Doc. Tayyab says, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, top program and interesting. Uh, Dr. Kika, is it uh, correct to say uh, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and supper like a pauper? Hey, a lot of people say that. Doc, your comments? Well, yes, that is the common thing. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we are on Marka Sahaba. Let's go back and look at uh, 
the habits of our Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sahaba radiallahu anhu. What did they eat? What did he prescribe? For example, Bali. Uh, so should we eat breakfast like a king? Is it necessary for us to eat breakfast like a king? Rather we eat food that is uh, or lunch or supper. And why do we only have to have three meals a day? Why not we eat when we are hungry? Uh, so these are the kinds of questions that I always ask. Um, yes, some patients do have to eat more often. Their disease condition requires them to eat maybe even six meals a day. So it depends on what the patient is presenting with and will prescribe a diet for them based on their condition. But to stay healthy, fast also, eat also, eat what is nutritious and healthy. Well, Don't that's a good advice. Create imbalance and disease in your body. Alhamdulillah, Doc. Uh, lovely indeed. Uh, Gulam Hussein says, I uh, notice uh, we've got, uh, we still have six minutes to go. Gulam Hussein says, uh, uh, as I reach my 60s, I feel a lot of pain on my knees and suddenly a loose feet syndrome. Okay. I can't bite into my favorite nuts and almonds. What is a doctor's recommendation, uh, Doc? But certainly those nuts and almonds will be beneficial for that. But, uh, brother, we very, we, if you look at the age, we look at the loose teeth and we look at the knee pain. Uh, in Chinese medicine, we could say, of course, we haven't seen the patient, we haven't uh, listened to the rest of his history, we haven't, um, uh, you know, felt his pulse, looked at his tongue, uh, felt how he feels, uh, but generally... Uh, those three alone would put a picture in my mind. You know, in Chinese medicine, we spoke about yin and yang, uh, the hot and cold. We would say that uh, Brother Gulam Hussain has probably got uh, what we might call, or we might have what we call a kidney yang deficiency. So there would be a little bit of back pain that goes with that, uh, including cold feelings in the back with aching, might feel chilled, he might have an aversion to cold. That means he might not like the cold too much and prefers hot weather. His you know, fingers or his limbs might feel cold, general debility, might have a pale face. The urine might be a little bit clear and frequent. Uh, so there's all these kinds of things, the natural desires that were there, are not as strong anymore. So if all of that is there, then we would say the patient has a kidney yang deficiency or yang deficiency. Uh, if the teeth are already loose, then we would suggest that Brother Gulam Hussain quickly sees a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture and uh, get some acupuncture and herbs into him uh, to assist him. We also must go and have a look uh, to see that there is no uh, oral disease. Uh, he must go and visit his dentist also uh, and, and have a checkup of the teeth to see that there is no gum disease. And, uh, you know, also have his knees looked at. But I would suggest that he sees a doctor of Chinese medicine because uh, kidney yang deficiency can cause all kinds of other imbalances in the body. And uh, it's very easily treated. takes a while to treat. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they could even be what we call false heat arising out of it, where he might have the opposite way. He's feeling hot and his hands and his feet are hot and he has night sweats and everything. But the reality is that if these three things are there, then, uh, you know, we, he, he certainly might need uh, quite a bit of intervention. He must go and see uh, somebody in his area. And, uh, of course, we spoke about the Allied Health Professions Council. You can go to the website the hpcsa.co.za and see who's in your area because the practitioners are all listed there 
and uh, you know he could inshallah get some uh, help um, quickly with some acupuncture and of course herbs work uh, rather quickly for this thing so we wish him well and uh, we wish that he'll get back to eating his almonds and his favorite nuts and apples inshallah inshallah yes uh, i have a cashew nut brother very good also with the arrow yes, the cashew nuts with the arrow oh you remember the remedy for the shafat yes <laughs> very good I remedy for the men yes very good remedy for the men and generally brother shafat when we tell it to the men they never forget it okay i mean the listeners didn't forget that yeah you, you tell it yeah, to the I, listeners don't try the men avocados and cashew nuts for the gentlemen great stuff okay you heard from dr kika it's his brand Chica brand, yes. Avos and yes. Cash. Alhamdulillah. Now, don't go and buy all the Avos out now, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 one more question, I think. All right, two minutes yes. to go, Doc. Uh, well, two minutes to go. Perhaps, uh, uh, you know, your parting words, uh, you know, you've got two minutes to give it to us. Uh, Brother Shafat, uh, I always sound like uh, the broken record on your show at the end. Uh, you should just record it and just play it when you're asking me for parting words because I say the same thing uh, all the time. Um, so we've already given quite a bit of advice about eating well, about creating balance, about getting enough sleep, about eating nutritious food and the general things. Uh, but I always say and I always leave with these words that he who visits the doctor only when sick is like he who digs a well only when thirsty. and it's too late. So take all your chronic medication that you're on, keep your chronic conditions in check, go and visit your healthcare practitioner even if you are not sick to go and have a checkup. But very important, see the practitioners that deal with other than allopathic medicine, uh, like the Chinese medicine practitioners like myself, uh, the Ayurvedic doctors, the homeopaths, uh, these guys, because we are able to bring your body into balance and a balanced body, of course. Our, our, our approach to disease conditions and even a healthy body, uh, there are little things in healthy bodies that tell us so much. I was, I was mentioning earlier about, uh, you know, things like hair growth, nail growth, Uh, the appearance of the body, smell of the body. There's so many things, even in healthy body. Um, you know, somebody might have, uh, you, you might get uh, a smell of, uh, of the breath of the patient or the skin of the patient or, you know, these kinds of things. They, they tell us so many things about the, the condition of the body. And then, of course, what, I, what we use very much um, now with, with the days of COVID is we bring a lot of uh, telephone consultations and, and, you know, we're looking at tongue diagnosis where patients are sending us pictures of their tongue. We're able to tell these things and, 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 and restore patients to balance, you know. So, so whilst you are taking all those things, talk to us as well. Uh, we are able to assist you and, you know, um, maintain health. So that is the important thing. And, of course, uh, again, coming back to the first topic that we spoke about, Stay at home, take the precautions, wear the mask. Uh, the physical distancing is important. If you are symptomatic of COVID, stay at home. Don't become a spreader of the condition. You know, stay at home. It, it is for your own good and the good of people. Uh, so take the precautions and inshallah, Allah will protect all of us. And uh, remember the ummah in the dua. Make a lot of uh, istighfar. And ask Allah Ta'ala to make things easy for 
Daruma and ask Allah Ta'ala to make easy. The cheapest medicine but the shafat in all of this is not just Chinese medicine, but the best and cheapest medicine is to raise our hands and ask Allah Ta'ala for our needs and also to uh, help the Ummah at large and insan at large and be a benefit to mankind. Most important things for the shafat. Absolutely brilliant there, Dr. Imran Kika. I can tell you the Ummah nodding in approval there. Brilliant uh, consultation with you this evening. You have a mashallah evening. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just looking at so many other questions coming through. I'm going to ask my panel, you know, perhaps we have to have him on a part two very quickly, very soon, maybe like next week. I'll, I'll talk to you, Doc. Inshallah, you have a blessed evening. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Remember, Senior Dwaz. I mean, uh, you too, Dr. Saab. And yes, uh, time for us to go for the Isha Azan. When we get back, uh, pertin- uh, Pertinence uh, Punctuated will be joining you with, uh, yes, uh, Sheikh Maiza first, and uh, followed by our uh, Morana Salim Karim and Sheikh Maiza discussing the topic of uh, yeah, anxiety and fear and what goes through your mind and what do you do. So Alhamdulillah, we'll be uh, with that topic with uh, Sheikh Maida, how to overcome stress and, and, and anxiety. Time for us to go for a break. When you get back, inshallah, we'll be with you.